doing out there, kitties? I do hope everything is going well out there in podcast land. Uh, shit's getting crazy out there, man. Uh, apparently, uh, New York's so fucking completely broke that they have to force Trump to pay $354 million or whatever because supposedly he overvalued his uh, property in Mar-a-Lago. Tell me if that ain't some fucking shit. Uh, the thing is, if anybody has ever purchased property or sold property, they know that they are not actually in charge of the value. Somebody else comes in, they place the value, and then whoever is purchasing the property, they have somebody come in and place the value, and then it's estimated at a certain lot. You know, and it's just... This judge basically said that Mar-a-Lago, a fucking golf resort, is only worth $18 million. That's fucking crazy. There's no way. There's no way whatsoever. And the whole point of this is, uh, I personally believe, you can agree with me or disagree with me, I give two fucking shits. But, um... Yeah, uh, this is a political persecution because the thing is, everybody that came up and spoke on behalf of the banks or on behalf of the realtors or, or any of that mess, whoever was involved in the purchasing and the loans for this land, um, they all said that... Uh, Somebody else placed the value of the property. They all said that the loans were paid within the proper timely manner. There were no delinquent payments. And everybody made money off of it. Absolutely fucking everybody made money off of it. And what kills me is um, that there was no jury. Uh... They, they wouldn't really let Trump have much of any kind of fucking defense. And, and they ruled him guilty pretty much from the start because there was a prejudgment ruling before the case even started. And so this was a political persecution. That being said, it, it looks like that everything that is happening against Trump is everything they said Trump is going to do to this country. They're already fucking doing it. And, and, and you know, you, you can say that Trump is going to be a dictator. A dictator. We don't have one dictator. We have multiple dictators. This is a tyrannical government that is currently in control, if you believe that they are fully in control. There's, there's people in the fucking conspiracy theories that believe that the military is properly in control and they're just letting these people run rampant with whatever they're fucking doing uh, to wake up humanity to the truth and the reality of what's in the world. And, uh, 
in the moment that they truly wake up and see the reality of what they've been voting for and what they've been screaming for and, and the shit that's going on is just it's just fucking insane man <clears throat> apparently it's time for the cat's zoomies you could probably hear her in the background but yeah, this shit is, is just complete. George Orwell's 1984. I mean, literally. Give me one moment. My computer kind of slow. I'm going to look up one of the most famous quotes from the fucking movie or book. I think they made a movie of it. I'm not 100% sure on that. Don't fucking quote me on that. I, I know they made a movie of Atlas Shrugged. That was a movie can't remember exactly who did it, but no, it was a long fucking movie. It was like multiple parts or something. They had to do it in like two fucking movies and both of them were like three hours fucking long or something like that. I don't know. It was fucking insane. All right. So let's take a look. Uh, famous. Quote from 1984. Famous quotations from 1984. Here we go. All right. This is from a page called Book Riot, and it's a uh, uh, 25 1984 quotes that are way too real. Uh, start with one of the coolest opening lines ever. Get rid of this ad. All right. It was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. Perhaps one did not want to be loved so much as to be understood. I don't know about this page. It's not exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for fucking... There was a, a, a description. Uh, let's see. Famous description of times let's see All right, let's see this one. 
Here's one that's scary for you. It says, who controls the future? Controls the past, controls the future. And then who controls the present, controls the past. Says right here, this party slogan appears twice in the novel, once in the book, chapter three, when Winston is thinking about the party's control of history and memory, and once in book three, chapter two, when Winston, now a prisoner in the Ministry of Love, talks to O'Brien about the nature of the past. The slogan is an important example of the party's technique of using false history to break down the psycho psychological independence of its subjects. Control of the past ensures control. If the past was idyllic, then the people will act to recreate it. If the past was nightmarish, then the people will act to prevent such circumstances from recurring. The party creates a past that was a time of misery and slavery from which it claims to have liberated the human race, thus compelling people to work towards the party's goals. The party has complete political power in the present, enabling it to control the way in which its subjects think and interpret the past. Every history book reflects party ideology, and individuals are forbidden from keeping mementos of their own past, such as photographs and documents. As a result, citizens of Oceania have a very short, fuzzy memory and are willing to believe anything that the party tells them. In the second appearance of this quote, O'Brien tells Winston great existence and that it's only real it is real only in the minds of the human beings. O'Brien is essentially arguing that because the party's version of the past is what people believe, that past, though it has no basis in real events, has become the truth. See this shit is fucking crazy. Because the reason why that's kind of scary, I mean, look at all the Mandela effects that have been happening, right? Everybody's talking about these Mandela effects. They're having memories of things that they believe were real. Uh, take the cornucopia, the Fruit of the Looms logo, right? Fruit of the Looms even came out and said, we've never had a cornucopia in our logo. But yet somebody came out and found a shirt with the cornucopia in the logo. I remember seeing the cornucopia in the logo. So, and that was a time frame before they came out with the advertisements with all the fruit guys, the guys dressed up as the fruits. And if anybody remembers that, but they had the cornucopia in the logo. No, you know, what if these Mandela effects are, are something that they're trying to do to not necessarily erase our memory, but confuse us, confuse us to think if, if our memories are actually real. So therefore, can we verify that if I, we can't verify that our memories are real, then we can't verify the history that we believe is real. And they can change the history itself. You know, things that are pushing for their own fucking agenda, pushing for their own fucking terms, right? Increasing the division, increasing the hate and the bigotry, right? Take, for instance, this quote from the book, war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. And these words, and all of this is coming from sparknotes.com. It says, these words are the official slogans of the party and are inscribed in massive letters on the white pyramid of the Ministry of Truth. As Winston observes in one book, chapter one, because it is introduced so early in the novel, this creed serves as the reader's first introduction to the idea of the double think. By weakening the independence and the strength of the individual's minds and forcing them to live in a constant state of propaganda-induced fear, the party is able to force its subjects to accept anything it decrees, 
even if it is entirely illogical. For instance, the Ministry of Peace is in charge of waging war, the Ministry of Love is in charge of political torture, and the Ministry of Truth is in charge of doctoring history books that reflect the party's ideology. The national slogan of the Oceania is equally contradictory and is an important testament to the power of the party's mass campaign of psychological control. In theory, the party is able to maintain what the war is peace because having a common enemy keeps the people of Oceania united. Freedom is slavery because according to the party, the man who is independent of doom, uh, is doomed to fail. By the same token, slavery is freedom because the man subjected to the collective will is free from danger and want. Ignorance is strength because the inability of the people to recognize these contradictions comments uh, commence the power and the authoritarian regime. I'm sorry. The, oh, I can't fucking read it this moment. Because the inability of the people to recognize these contradictions cements the power of the authoritarian regime. <clears throat> Excuse me. Basically, what it's fucking saying is shit that's kind of already fucking happening. War is peace. How much fucking money have we sent over to Ukraine funding a fucking war? Funding a fucking war that we have absolutely no reason to be in. Right? Be because it, Putin went into there, and, and if you go back and you look at the fucking history of in 2013, how our fucking government was involved in a coup to take over and fucking put in their own fucking people to be in charge. They took out the current fucking president that was in charge and put in Zelensky in 2013. So it makes you wonder why they were so fucking eager to find out what the hell Trump was saying to Zelensky whenever he was in office in 2017. It's just... So they're constantly funding this war and then we got a war with Iran that they're trying to push... In war with Israel, and, and or not necessarily Israel, but Hamas himself. So, there's your war is peace. Now, what are we doing with these wars? We're constantly, all we're doing is we're constantly funding these wars. Funding these wars. Without even being involved, we're funding these wars. And they're trying to tell you that, don't worry about the money that's going to these countries, because not all the money is going to these countries. They're going to American companies. They're going to companies that distribute and create these war machines, these fucking weapons and the bombs and the missiles and everything else, right? They're military contractors. Well, what happens with these military contractors? They're going to take some of this money that they're going to be receiving from us, taxpayer fucking money, and they're going to return it back to the fucking politicians as campaign contributions. You see, these military funding people are big donors to the campaign contributions contributions of the Democratic Party and even some of the Republican Party because war is profitable for all that are involved except for the peons like us and you're talking to a vet so you know or listening to a vet I don't know if you're necessarily talking to me some of you might talk to me if you do seek help that's not wise um but yeah man it, it's just 
It's fucking crazy. So freedom is slavery, right? And slavery is freedom in a sense. I mean, look how many fucking people are talking about free health care, free fucking housing, free all of this stuff, right? This is what they want. They want the government to take care of them so they can feel safe and secure. Why do they want to take away all the guns? Because the government's going to keep them safe, right? Never mind the bad guys, because if the government takes full control over everything, bad guys aren't even going to be an option because they're going to stop you before you even get a chance to be bad. You're a slave to the fucking grind, man. You're constantly going to work, trying to do nothing but pay bills. You're taxed before you're even touching your fucking money. Then you're taxed on your transactions of your fucking money. And you're taxed on the products that you purchase. And you're taxed to even own the fucking products, to keep maintaining the products. And then you're taxed for driving on the fucking roads. It's crazy, right? So we're a slave to the fucking grind. We, we, we don't have any real freedom to do what we want to do. And the moment you want to try to make it big, whenever you hit that middle fucking ground, right before you hit that cusp of all the fucking real wealthy elite, you're going to be taxed even fucking higher to no fucking end. So therefore, you could never reach that goal. You'll get up there a little bit more and more and more and more at a time. But once you reach that fucking cusp, they're not going to let you cross that fucking line to become one of them. Because no matter how hard you work, you're not them. The only thing these fuckers work for is to maintain. And they have people to do that for them. Now, ignorance its strength, right? Because the less you know about what's going on, the stronger you feel about the security that you have wrapped around you. And that's not necessarily security. That's invasion. It's imprisonment. But yet you have people that are voting for this, people that are screaming for this. This is what they want. This is what they desire. They, they don't want that independence. They don't want that freedom because if they had that independence and that freedom, then they would have to put forth effort. They would have to put forth thought. They, they would have to depend on themselves. They can't have themselves taken care of by others. Here's another quote for you. It says, in the end, the party would announce that two and two made five, and you would have to believe it it was inevitable that they should make that claim sooner or later. The logic of their position demanded it. Not merely the validity of the experience, but the very existence of external reality was tactically denied by their philosophy. I think that's tactically... Tacitly, tacitly, T-A-C-I-T-L-Y. That's a new word for me. Sorry, I'm not as learned as most people believe me to be. But they say two and two made five, and you had to believe it. Now, this is what this site says about it. It says, this quote occurs in Book 1, Chapter 7, as Winston looks at children's history book and marvels at the party's control of the human mind. 
These lines play into the theme of psychological manipulation. In this case, Winston considers the party's exploration of its fearful subjects as a means to suppress the intellectual notion of objective reality. If the universe exists only in the mind and the party controls the mind, then the party controls the universe, as Winston thinks. For, after all, how do we know that two and two make four? or that the force of gravity works, or that the past is unchangeable, if both the past and the external world exist only in the mind, and if the mind itself is controllable, what then? The mathematical sentence 2 plus 2 equals 5 thus becomes the motif linked to the theme of the psychological independence. Early in the novel, Winston writes that freedom is the freedom to say that 2 plus 2 makes 4, the motif comes full circle at the end of the novel after the torture Winston suffers in the Ministry of Love breaks his soul. He sits at the Chestnut Tree Cafe and traces 2 plus 2 equals 5 in the dust on his table. That shit is actually happening now. You have, if you go and look at what common core math is, and there's even been reports, there's even been fucking news broadcasts on fucking CNN and MSDNC and all these other fucking stations that two plus two equaling four is actually racist because that means there is an exact answer. There, there's no variance. There's an exactness and precision. It is a white supremacy thing. So therefore, you have to have variance. You have to have variables. So two, could, two plus two could actually equal five. And then you have this common core math to where they're overcomplicating fucking problems. Uh, there was one that's famous, one that's going around TikTok right now. And if any of you know me, they know I spend way too much fucking time on TikTok. That being said, um, the, the, the problem was it had 27 and it had two in the tens column, seven in the ones column. And it says there are seven ones, right? or whatever, or something, it, it said, how many ones are there, right? And so you're thinking two tens and seven ones, because it already says it's in the tens column. So the kid writes seven, but apparently that's wrong, because it's 27 ones. Well, I get that. You can make 27 by adding one 27 times, giving it 27 ones, but it was already 27, meaning the two was in the tens column. That doesn't make it 20 ones. It was in the tens. It was two tens. That's why it shortened up. If it was 20 ones, it was, I mean, I guess you can rephrase it as how many ones in total. But I don't know. Here, let's let's do one more quote, right? Let's do one more quote and talk about this. It says then perhaps you might pretend afterwards that it was only a trick and then you just said it to make them stop and didn't really mean it. But that isn't true. At the time when it happens, you do mean it. You think there's no other way of saving yourself and you're quite ready to save yourself that way. You want it to happen to the other person. You don't give a damn 
what they suffer. All you care about is yourself. It says here that Julia speaks the lines to Winston in Book 3, Chapter 6, as they discuss what happened to them in Room 101. She tells him that she wanted her torture to be shifted to him, and he responds that he felt exactly the same way. These acts of mutual betrayal represent the party's final psychological victory. Soon after their respective experiences in Room 101... I guess that's the Ministry of Love special room. Winston and Julia are set free as they no longer pose a threat to the party. Here, Julia says that despite her efforts to make herself feel better, she knows that in order to save herself, she really did want the party to torture Winston. In the end, the party proves to Winston and Julia that no moral conviction or emotional loyalty is strong enough to withstand torture. Physical pain and fear will always cause people to betray their convictions and if doing so will end their suffering. Winston comes to a similar conclusion during his own stand at the Ministry of Love, bringing to its culmination the novel's theme of physical control. Control over the body ultimately grants the party control over the mind. As with most of the party's techniques, there is an extremely ironic strain of double-think running underneath. Self-love and self-preservation, the underlying components of the individualism and independence, lead one to fear pain and suffering, ultimately causing one to accept the principles of anti-individualist collectivism that allows the party to thrive. It's division, man. It's constant fucking division. It's all that is, you know. It, it's in a sense they're they're doing that as well too. Not so much with the physical sense. It's more an emotional and psychological sense, right? Look at the division that's going on with the LGB. The LGB community is even more divided than it was before. It's not so much straights versus gays. It's gays versus gays, and they're trying to say that groomers are a thing. And why should the word groomer be such a bad thing? It's, a, it's just fucking horrendous, right? To where the P3DO community invaded the fucking alphabet community, and now all of this shit's getting awry. It's creating more fucking division within that community itself, and it's just fucking unreal, right? And then if if you're straight, you're a horrible fucking person that automatically makes you a fucking racist or whatever and a bigot. No shit, my bad. I'm fucking knocking shit around. I mean... Again, it's on an emotional sense that they're dividing us. And on a psychological, people actually believe that they're fucking birds. Bitch, you ain't got feathers. You didn't come from that kind of fucking egg. But yet you believe you're a fucking bird. And it's just, and you... Go fucking psychotic when people don't succumb to your fucking demands and wishes. And this is embedded into your fucking head from your own community that's done this to you. And it's an atrocity. Right? And then we're building all this fucking narcissism with it. 
And then we were destroying our minds with all of our fucking, you know, and and I'm guilty of it as well, TikTok with the short-term attention span. We can't focus on anything. That's why people like fucking Headline Harry get as far as he does because of the fact that it's just short attention spans, man. We're feeding the demons. And yet at the same time as we try to fucking fight against them, we're fighting against them with their own fucking uh, uh, weaponry, you know, in a sense. Now, it may look like we're losing the battle, but at the same time, I think we're winning. I think better things are going to be coming, but it's going to be fucking crazy. So just remember, I mean, if to have a tyrannical government doesn't necessarily require just one dictator. You can have a whole fucking bunch of them bastards. And we sure as fuck do. It's time to open your eyes, people. Shit's about to get wild. Till next time, please.